Hi, I'm Rima, and you're listening to Chatter and Laughs. I started this podcast because everyone I know has something valuable to say based on their career or lifestyle or where they're at in life right now. And I thought, why not share that? So this is about reconnecting with friends, meeting some new ones, perhaps, and sharing the insight along the way. Thank you for listening. I'm excited to have Julie Labrie on the podcast today. Julie is the president of Blue Sky Personnel Solutions, one of Canada's top award-winning recruitment agencies specializing in French and bilingual placements. And when I say award-winning, I mean a lot of awards. Blue Sky has been named Best Full Service Bilingual French Employment Agency in Canada. The World Staffing Awards named Julie in their top 100 staffing leaders to watch in 2022. And just recently, Blue Sky Personnel received the prestigious Gold Stevie Award for Women Run Workplace of the Year. And that's not all. The, uh, the accolades continue. Julie is continuously called on by media to provide her input on the HR industry and is a regular expert contributor for the Globe and Mail. She also recently published her first book titled How to Find the Best Talent to Grow Your Business. Needless to say, I'm excited to have her here. Welcome, Julie. Thank you for having me. And I'm, as you were reading all the awards, I'm thinking, wow, that's, I you, got that many? You did. And I think you actually have a bit more. I, I couldn't fit it all into that introduction. <laughs> I actually do. Actually, I was, I just received yesterday the uh, nomination for the top staffing award leader to watch in 2023 as well. So we're going to be promoting that in the next, uh, in the next week or so. Okay, well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so yes, very lucky to have you on the podcast. I'm sure uh, you're gonna provide so much insight to uh, the listeners. Before we get started, I wanted to highlight the sponsor for this episode. Inner Strength Fitness and Health, run by personal trainer Kelly Campbell, offers a virtual series fitness group with classes that range from meditation, strength training, stretch classes, as well as nutritional experts and cook-alongs. Um, now, I have never been much of a gym-going individual. However, I have really enjoyed being a part of the Inner Strength community for the past few years. Um, it's really just a group that motivates and supports each other towards an overall healthy lifestyle, which as it turns out, I need. Plus, I can take the classes at home anytime without stepping into a gym, which is a bonus. All of this is offered at just $30 a month, which you can join month by month. And Chatter and Laughs listeners are being offered a free consultation with Kelly at sign up, which is amazing since she's been a personal trainer for over 20 years. For those who are interested, you can check out the Inner Strength Fitness and Health page on Facebook. Or on Instagram, you can visit Kelly underscore inner underscore strength. And of course, you can always email me for more info at Rima at chatterandlaughs.ca. Now back to the podcast with Julie Labrie. So I'm going to get started on these questions. You've been in the recruiting industry now for over 20 years. It's not a career for everyone. Tell us about your career journey, how you got into this field, and what keeps you motivated after all these years? Well, this is like a, a good question because I get often asked how I got into the recruitment industry, but we need to take a step back and take it to my teenage years where my first instinct, when people were asking me what I wanted to do as a career, I said, well, I'd like to be able to um, be a career counselor, hmm. help students find their job and their career path. And that was what I wanted to do then. You know, when you were asking me when I was around 15 years old, what I wanted to do, that it was, it was something that was of interest to me. Okay. Then I thought, well, for some reason, people would come to me and ask for advice. And then I would always help them resolve their issues without me telling them what to do. They would figure it out on their own. And I thought, well, maybe psychology is a good path for me because I know that it could help people change their behavior or do something like that. So mm -hmm. I thought, well, maybe I'll just go in psychology. Then I decided to go in psychology, got to university, did my degree. And there was my last year where I had an opportunity to do a, a co-op program in conjunction with my degree. And I tried doing research. 
um, so I went to uh, Baker's Hospital and I was assisting a psychologist. And mm -hmm. one of my professor actually found me that placement there. And I was assisting uh, with the research there. I didn't really like it so much. So I went back to my professor at university that was in charge of that co-op program. Mm -hmm. and said, I said, I don't really like it so much. And then he, we kind of started to brainstorm. And then he had this idea. Well, maybe I know someone that works in an employment center where you could go and work. And I thought, that's interesting because it's something that I had already an interest. Right, beforehand. You know, before. So then I got there, did the co-op placement, did the program, loved it. And when I graduated, they offered me a job for a contract for the summer where my job was to place students into companies, but those companies would receive a subsidy. So essentially it was kind of free. And I had a target of about, you know, 60 people to place for the summer. I doubled that. They okay. had never seen that kind of, <laughs> you know, numbers before. And then I thought when my contract was coming to an end, they wanted to renew, but I was not interested in staying. Okay. But then I thought, well, maybe I can look for a job in doing that. Mm -hmm. So that's how I felt into the recruitment industry. I literally felt into it because it was not something that I grew up knowing that, hey, I'm going to be recruited one day. Yeah, I don't think anyone does, right? I don't no. think it works that way. So that's really how I went into the recruitment industry, loved it, and realized when I was doing recruitment that I also enjoyed doing sales. Okay. But the sales for me was not like the pure telemarketing. You pick up the phone and you make mm -hmm. calls and sell. It was more a consultative sell. And this is how I sell to my client. I, I listen to their need, see if there's a fit, and then we can match it together. So that's really how I got to love the industry so much and why I didn't divert to go into HR. Right. Because I like the recruitment and the sales aspect of our business. And it's interesting because you did have that uh, interest in psychology and some people would think psychology to recruitment, like where does that fit in? But it actually does fit in because you're reading people all the time and, you know, trying to understand what their needs truly are and, you know, what is going to make them successful. So actually psychology works well in this industry as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think it has helped me with my career on how to read people because I've always had that instinct that I could read people, mm -hmm. but it has, and the interest and learn and the behavior of people, why do they do certain things? And what it has done is to help me read beyond the resume. And I always say to people, you need to look beyond the resume, mm -hmm. what's not written, look at their behavior, look at how they respond and certain things. And sometimes people will say certain things that triggers hey, have you thought of doing this? Have you thought of doing that? And sometimes people don't realize that they could, they could be good at something that yes. they didn't think about. Exactly. Mm, that's great. And how do you stay motivated, though? I mean, it can't be an, an easy industry all the time. So, you know, over 20 years now, that's that's a long time. How do you continue to stay motivated? I think it's because we have a uh, a variety of positions that we work on and it's constantly changing. Okay. The market is changing, the type of positions, people are not always looking, we're not always searching for the same old positions. Right. Because things are evolving. We're dealing with people. And in the last two and a half years, almost three years now, we've seen a shift that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. I have never seen that kind of shifts over in the market. Um, so I think that's why it's still motivating. And the fact that I really love what I do yes. makes a big difference because in, let's face it, my industry, the recruitment industry, there's a high turnover. A lot of people get in to recruitment mm -hmm. with staffing agencies for the wrong reason. They come in, they want to get experience and then they get out because they don't like doing the sales. They don't Aspect, like to, right. uh, prospecting. They want it easy. For us, our job is to find candidates for our clients. And there's a difference here because we have to source, we have to dig, we have to lift up stones and turn yeah, them Yeah, you have to do to the get... research for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of work involved in that. It's so funny because I'm starting to realize that there's a bit of sales in every industry. 
there really is. It doesn't matter what you're doing. There is a little bit of a sales aspect, some industries more than others. So when that happens and that's not something you're comfortable with, then obviously, yeah, it's time to look for something else for sure. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the sales, you mentioned it, every industry has sales and this is very often the component of a job that someone doesn't like. Mm -hmm. Ask people what their pain point is and they'll say, I don't like when I'm forced to have to do sales or when I have to call client to ask right. them if they need anything, you know, anything else, anything else for me. And this is the aspect of our industry that's really heavy. There's a heavy focus on sales for a lot of recruiters mm -hmm. and that's why they get out. Yeah, that, that's interesting because I wonder if that's something that's really promoted in the training and and in the initial in the initial introduction to the industry that you know there is going to be a sales aspect i know you you probably right off the bat will say hey this is what it is you know so yeah. just this is set that expectation but i i feel like a lot of people may not have that expectation to begin with mm -hmm. and then have a bit of a, a a shock you know yeah um uh, in that first few months Okay, now, how has the pandemic affected your industry? I'm sure there are a few things that have changed for good. I know you touched on it a little bit already, but what has it been like sitting in your seat throughout COVID-19? So let's uh, backtrack to, you know, when that happened. Mm -hmm. um, first initial reaction for everybody was to be in the full panic mode. So yeah. recruitment stopped. And when I say stop, every single open positions that we had on our desk stopped so essentially i had no business right i had nothing to do recruitment wise mm -hmm. so for the first three months it was like that so what i did do with my team and i said okay here's what we need to do we need to reach out to our candidates to touch base how are you doing what's happening with you are you still working um, so just to keep that relationship going with them mm -hmm. to ensure that, uh, to find out also if they were on the hunt for a new position, because we wanted to be ready for, I knew it was not going to be forever. Right. When clients were ready to hire again, that we had that network that would stayed in touch with and knew exactly where to go. And it has helped us and served us really well to do that mm -hmm. because in june at the end of june when things started to open up again in a sense like where clients started to recruit again we were ready we right. had people we had our relationships so we had you know to continue doing that so in june we started to see clients started to slowly rehire reopen their positions but really when that uh the boom started it was in november in 2020 when there was a talk of a vaccine we saw such an increase in demand. It was so busy. We had such huge demand for all types of positions. It seems like all the companies and clients, they felt more comfortable that they were going to return to our new normal, that they were going to start, they started recruiting again. Hmm. And what we saw is that there were some positions, for instance, recruiters for companies, they were in high demand like we've never seen before. Because hmm. what has happened is that when the pandemic hit they laid off all these um corporate recruiters they right. all lost their jobs all of them all at once there was no <laughs> recruitment and so instead of retaining that staff they decided to get rid of them mm -hmm. well what happened in 2021 is that everybody needed them again and there was a shortage of recruiters that you've never seen and that has driven their salaries up those okay recruiters. well that's that's good that's a positive for them at least yes but you know what's happening what i'm finding is that companies they needed to rehire them they hired them but now they're because of the talk of recession they're starting to be mm. making changes which is not a smart move because there's still not enough people to fill all of the openings that we have mm -hmm. whether we have a recession or not so um it created that, but not just for, I'm giving the example of corporate recruiters, but it's in all the different fields. We've noticed that there's a shortage and people still needed to hire because they were already short staff before the pandemic. Right. And they still needed to hire now. So that created that huge demand for staff overall. Mm -hmm. And that's still going, isn't it? Yes, it's still going. It's yeah. still strong. There's still not enough people out there. 
to fill all the openings. So if anyone's listening and looking for a position, you know, get out there, contact Blue Sky Personnel Solution, you know, yeah. um, get yourselves on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, people need people. Yeah. Connect with us. We'll see what we can do. If we can help you find an, a position, you know, get on our list mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, we send out our jobs through our mailing list every time we have a new opening. So it's yep. important people for people to connect we're a tool for those job seekers yep. so i always say to people connect with us if we can find you the right fit great if we can't then you're still connected with us it's exactly. not going to go away yeah now you've recently launched your book how to find the best talent to grow your business tell us about that a little bit well it this is um you know it's been a number of years where you know i've been told years ago you should write a book julie yes and i was still thinking i don't really have anything to talk about what am i going to talk about in this book and fast forward now you know last year i felt that it was time well actually earlier this year i mm -hmm. felt it was time maybe okay i have enough content i think i can talk about certain things and recruitment in general because you know people always ask i found that i'm giving advice and people like the advice so i thought Let's put it together. So it's a compilation of all my top tips uh, that I've written over the years from our blog post. And we've put it into a book format to make it easier for um, hiring managers or HR leaders, anyone that's involved in recruitment right. to find um, their tips and tricks, really. Yeah. So it's really, it's a guide. So if you're looking to hire salespeople, I talk about it in my book. If you're looking to hire the right fit when it comes to, uh, you want the cultural fit, I talk about it specifically. So it's really a guide and a resource tool that you can use. You can read it from start to finish because mm -hmm. you'll get tons of strategies in there. Yeah. But if you're looking for something specific, it's really useful. Uh, you open the book and then you can go and read that component that you need. Even for me right now, I find myself that sometimes I'm looking for certain terms and certain things. I open my book, you know, I <laughs> and you give right yourself some advice. I, I just, yeah, it. I ordered your book too. So I should be getting it soon. <laughs> yeah. And I'm finding that this is because it's right there in my face and mm. in my hands, I can uh, relate to it more and I can just say, oh yeah, this is what, how, and we need to say certain things. Right. And that's why having it into a book now, into um, a guide, it's it's helpful for people. And this is the feedback that I have received. And overall is that it's useful because it's giving them um, a different it's a, perspective. It's a resource, right? It's a yes. resource that they have when they, yes, when they need that different perspective from someone who's been in the industry for so many years, over 20 years, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah. Um, I look forward to uh, going through it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so you're probably always asked for interview tips and resume tips from candidates. My question though is what tips would you give candidates that aren't so obvious and might surprise them? So here's the thing. When it comes to interviews, mm -hmm. I tell people just relax and be yourself. There is no point to change your behavior or the way you say certain things during an interview, because once you'll start the job, they'll see that it's going to come out. Right. There's just so much control you can have on your behavior for mm -hmm. so long. People will find out. It's the same as the negative. They'll find out. Right. So it's really important that you are upfront, honest with your answers as much as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same with me when I'm interviewing people to come and work for me. Yeah. I tell them how it is. I do not give them the rosy, glowy ways right. of selling myself. I give them the bad, the ugly stuff. So they know exactly. <laughs> the hard truth. <laughs> yes. They need to know. So it's the same thing with job seekers. It's really important that they did just be themselves. And sometimes they, they want to change too much or they're really so stressed, but at the end of the day, no, you have to relax and be yourself and think about it that if I don't get it, it was not the right fit. And that's what it is. Also, another tip for them to realize that an interview is not just for the employer to assess you. 
-hmm. It's a way for you to assess them. It's a two-way process, but we're not taught that. Right. We're thought like the learning is that, hey, you're going, they're going to decide if they want me. No, no, you go and decide if you want to work for them too. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So it's something to think about when you're going for an interview is that it's a two-way process. That's true. That's a that's a really good point because a lot of people do not think that way. No. Are is this company good enough for you or fits for you as well, right? Yeah. Something to always think about for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's the same case, um, you know, if you're for example, you know, for me, if I'm self-employed, is this client the right fit for me? Right. Or, you know, it's a it's a two-way street, of course. Yeah. So similarly, what tips would you give? Uh, you know, would you give to employers who are searching for the right candidate? Of course, we'd want them to buy your book. That's a great guide. Yeah. But something else that they wouldn't expect. Sometimes when you're an employer, you're looking at this is what I want. But looking beyond the resume is something not a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many people that um, ask them, how did you get that job? How did you fell into it? It was a different career path altogether. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's by luck. They got there the right time, they, the right place. But sometimes it's something where someone gave them an opportunity and they realize that it was the right fit. So I say to employers, if they're looking for something specific, look for the interest of what the person has. So it could be something like if you're looking for someone that's really good at customer service but you don't necessarily need to have someone who's done customer service necessarily mm -hmm. they could have done something else but you go to a restaurant you meet the server they blow you away that could be your next uh, customer service rep that that's actually uh, that's actually how my husband started his sales career he was a server um for a table and you know the person at the table said you need to be in sales and that's how he started. That's how he got his first. Yeah. And his training was in IT, though, not in not in sales. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes you have to look somewhere else to find what you're looking for. So I always say everywhere you go, there's a person that could be a fit for your organization. Hmm. You know, I have many times given my card to if someone I like how they behave or how they present themselves. And I'm thinking that could be good for this and that. Then I just say, here, if you're looking for a career change, here's my card. Call me. Right. And it could be anyone and anybody that you meet because yeah. you just never know. And someone recently told me, um, well, you don't know who this person knows. And I thought, yeah, you're right. I just don't know. And to keep that open mind, because sometimes employers are so stuck on this is the resume. This is what I'm getting. But looking beyond that resume right it's really important yeah no oh, that's a that's a good point okay so when you look back on your career over the last 20 years what are the moments that stand out the most for you um i would say when blue sky when we decided to make a switch to fully focusing on bilingual recruitment at blue sky personnel solutions mm -hmm. initially when we opened up we were a generalist so we would do everything english french positions you know a bit of everything temporary permanent contracts but as the years went we started to do way more bilingual recruitment than ever and i realized that this was what I loved doing. Mm -hmm. I loved it with a great passion. Every time I would get a bilingual position, I would put way more effort into it and enthusiasm right. than anything else. <laughs> and that naturally because you are bilingual. I mean, it's yes. a part of where you're from, right? But I also, the type of, it's interesting. There's less people, it's a niche area. You know, it's just more fun. So mm -hmm. I figure that why don't I just do that? Why don't we just become a bilingual recruitment agency, just focusing on that? That's what I enjoy the most. That's what I get the most pleasure out of. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel drained at the end of the day doing that. Right. Why not? So we decided to do that. And since I've made that switch, I have seen growth in my business that I have never seen before. Mm -hmm. Because we're so focused, we're passionate, we like it. And also making sure that the entire team is bilingual also made a difference. Right. So 
I think that's for me, that was the moment where, you know, that had an impact. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about bilingual recruitment for a moment. I mean, I think a lot of people, obviously, Canada is bilingual. Yeah. And, but a lot of, not all the provinces, you know, have a lot of bilingual speaking individuals, of course. But bilingual candidates are still a really, uh, really big, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, are are still very in, in demand, yeah. right? They're still in demand. Um, and I, that's probably not something that people would realize. So, are bilingual candidates still in demand as they have been over the years? And do you see that continuing to grow? Um, and if if you were to give someone some advice in terms of while they're in school, would you recommend to them that they do try to um, study another language for this reason? So there's two parts Asking to your question. Asking for a parent. Yes. <laughs> Two parts to your question. Number one, there is still a demand. When I started in the industry in, in 1999, mm -hmm. there was a demand for bilingual candidates, mm -hmm. French and English. I have not seen that demand decreased. Mm -hmm. Actually, the demand is the same or has increased in some cases. Right. The The demand is there because a lot of companies, whether they're in you know Western Canada and Ontario, even in Quebec, in order to serve your customers, if you want to be across the country, you have to have someone bilingual internally to serve them. Mm -hmm. Because people that do not speak French or do not speak English need to have, uh, you know, a way to communicate. You know, my parents, they don't speak English. So when they're making a call to, you know, their phone companies or their TV, mm -hmm. you know, provider, Mm -hmm. a cable provider they need to be able to speak in french right. the same thing with people that my husband's parents they speak english only mm -hmm. so when they're calling they need to be able to speak through that in their language so it's really important that the man is still there number two you've indicated that do you recommend the students that are you know learning mm -hmm. to learn a second language my answer is always going to be yes now, are they going to be bilingual to the level that they need to be? They have to continue. I'm finding that they need to study in French through university mm -hmm. and not just doing French immersion. We're finding, this is my personal opinion here, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm finding that people that are coming out of French immersion very often, they're not fluent enough to place them into jobs with our mm -hmm. clients. They can get by, but they're not going to be able to communicate. I had to learn French and moved away. I moved to Toronto, you know, when I was 20 years old to go to university. And I did learn to speak English fluently. Right. But I did not speak fluently before. I could get by going right. on a trip, but that was it. You had to be immersed in it. I had to the be day immersed. To day. So my biggest advice when I'm finding is that people need to be immersed to be fluent. That's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I have seen some people that do really well, but generally speaking, when we're getting uh, French immersion candidates, we're talking to them that can't communicate. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It's almost as if they are, you know, they're fluent when it comes to on, on paper and by the book, but when it comes to conversational and, um, you know, when it comes to act the actual employment, it's it's difficult for them. It's difficult. And sometimes it could be terminologies too. They're not able to communicate and use the proper terms. I'll mm -hmm. give you an example of me. I work in English a lot. Mm -hmm. And when I have to tell people in French what I do, sometimes I have a hard time with my <laughs> words. And I am a Quebecer, <laughs> born and raised in Quebec, fluent in French. And it's, sometimes it's just the terms that the words that I'm not used to using them, right? So I can relate, and I'm not talking about that mm -hmm. fluency. And sometimes it's just, you ask them a basic question and then they're struggling to answer. Um, so that's what I'm talking about when I, okay. it comes to fluency in French. You need to be able to communicate and it has to flow. Doesn't matter if you're making grammar mistakes here and there. Right. That's not, it does not matter. We all do. I right. make grammar mistakes all the time. I know yeah. that but I'm fluent and I can speak and I can communicate and people can understand mm, yeah. the meaning of what I'm saying. 
And do you ever get, I know that you're focused on French English speaking placement, but do you find that you are seeing a lot of perhaps also openings for candidates who are speaking, you know, uh, another language other than French even? Yeah, sometimes uh, we do get, uh, we have clients that do request, um, you know, candidates from us, Portuguese, I have seen Cantonese and Mandarin. Mm -hmm. um, of course, we don't have anybody internally that can assess their fluency. So we let them know up front that, you know, we don't have anybody and they're fine with that because they do have people internally on their side to do that. Mm -hmm. But we do get sometimes candidates, um, not candidates, but clients demands where they need someone that speaks another language than French. We've mm -hmm. had German too in the past, mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of language. It's interesting. Yeah. I wish I could. <laughs> I mean, I can understand Arabic, but I wish that I could speak it and read it the way my parents <laughs> parents do. And I'm I'm not very good. I haven't been very good with with passing that over to my kids either. But yeah, and French too. Actually, my parents mm -hmm. speak French as well. Anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's too a bad. That's on them. They needed to to communicate with you. Uh, more because I do the same thing with my kids. Mm -hmm. I only speak to my kids, my daughters, my two daughters in French only mm -hmm. because I need them to be fluent. Of course, they go to French school, mm -hmm. but I still needed them to speak because I know that between the two of them, they speak English. Right. They only speak French to me. Mm -hmm. They speak English to my husband. Mm -hmm. um, but they're they're bilingual. Like you would never know that. They speak French if they talk to you in English because they have a zero accent yes. when they speak English. And when they speak French to me, they don't really have an accent so much. Mm -hmm. um, so they're fully bilingual. And and that, yeah, that is a testament to you. I mean, uh, my parents tried, but every time, you know, they should have enforced it, I think, because every time they spoke to us in Arabic, we would respond in English. And there okay. was never that insistence, I guess, of you need to respond in Arabic, I which don't I guess, they, yes, yeah, I don't respond. You started back to my early. You I started ignore early. them. Yeah, you know why I do that? It's because when I went to university, I went to Glendon, which is a bilingual campus here in Toronto, mm -hmm. and there were so many people there that, of course, I was learning English. So for me, the natural instinct was to speak French all the time, and I would speak French, and those people would understand everything we would say. Mm -hmm. They would never speak to us in French, and I would ask them. Why don't you speak back in French? Oh, because my parents, I only spoke to them in English. I understand everything you're saying, but you mm -hmm. know what? It's easier for me to speak in English. My parents never really um, mm -hmm. got me to speak French. And I thought to myself, there is no way if I ever have kids, <laughs> this is going to happen. Because I had to learn French myself. Right. I really had to, uh, not French, I had to learn English. English. Yes. So I really had to work to learn it. And I was thinking, if I am, if I force my kids to speak French, it's going to be inside of them, like naturally. Mm -hmm. And I know that if they don't use it, they'll lose it. Yes. And being in Ontario and in Toronto, it's easier for them to speak English. English. They do it at school. Yes. And it's a French, French school. school. They're not allowed. <laughs> and they do it all the time. And it drives me crazy. Their friends come home and they speak English. <laughs> of course, for me, I never speak English to the kids. Yeah. I speak French back. And guess what? They speak they French respond. back to me. That's great. But I'm really imposing <laughs> because I know once they're out of the house, don't mm -hmm. speak English. That's it. You got to get it in them now, right? Which yes. you have, which is great. And I mean, I know my parents tried, but that was the key is the not yeah. responding unless we responded in Arabic. Yeah, yeah that didn't work out for them. But <laughs> It is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> I can understand it. <laughs> um, so is there anything you would have done differently when you look back on your career? I don't think so, because I'm here because of the path that I've decided to choose and mm -hmm. the choices that I've made. Mm -hmm. I really I'm not the type of person that say, oh, I wish I would have done that. I don't have that kind of attitude in life. Mm -hmm. I always believe that if wherever you are now it's because you're meant to be here mm -hmm. and you're here because of the choices and decisions you've made in the past right and it made you get to where you are unless you absolutely regret your life right you yeah know? no but i i agree with you i think that 
the, whatever your choice was in that moment was the right choice at that time. And yes. you move forward from there. Yes. And, and, you know, you keep that frame of mind. And, and yes, I believe that the path that you're, you know, where you are is because of the path that led you here. Yeah. Now, of course, there are areas where you've learned certain things through that journey. I wouldn't say I haven't learned certain things that if I was to do something again, maybe I would do this or do that. But overall, I agree. Yeah. Any advice for individuals who might be interested in getting into the recruitment industry? Um, I would say that there is a lot of work that needs to be done when it comes to getting your learning. There's You'll constantly learn because we're dealing with people and the people are changing. Mm -hmm. So in my last, you know, 22 plus years now of recruitment experience, I have learned and grow so much and changed how I recruit. So, mm -hmm. you know, what I did five years ago in recruitment, now it's not applicable now because we had a pandemic. The demands are different. The mm -hmm. market is different. So you have to be flexible. You have to be adaptable. If you want to work in the staffing industry, you have to realize that it's a sales position. You have to get your own client. You have to constantly chase those clients to make them buy your product in a mm. sense, your services, because we're a service-based industry. Mm -hmm. So for me, I don't think it's telling people it's hard. It's the right word because I love it so much. For me, it's not hard. I don't find it hard. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, if you talk to them, they'll say it's hard to be in the staffing industry. Well, maybe it's not the right you're not in the right mindset. Right. I don't think your job should be hard overall. You shouldn't mm -hmm. feel like it's a hard job that you're in. You should have, you should enjoy what you're doing. You should enjoy and find it. That's, it should uplift you and not bring, bring you, you down. down. Yeah, because that's a and, tough place to be in day to day, right? Yes. And anything that you do, I always tell, and I see so many people that hate their jobs. Yes. All the time. And I say, you're in the, Maybe it's time for you to make a move. Mm -hmm. Then they find all the excuses not to make a move and they're miserable. Right. But I I say, talk to people that love they, their job. They're not complaining. They're happy. Mm -hmm. They're the right place. So, what, And what what is it about that? Because I, I see that as well. You know, a lot of people who really struggle with whatever position they're in, but years and years will go by and they're still in the same place. And, you know, no judgment here. I know a lot of people who may not have a choice in terms of, you know, maybe they're a single parent, maybe there's finances involved, maybe there's so many different variables. But I do feel that any little step each day towards moving out of that environment eventually will get you where you want to go, right? But yet a lot of people see years in years pass by position. And I'm trying to figure out, is that where they are truly happy and not really, you know, they say they're not, but maybe they are. What I think it's a, fear. <laughs> it's a fear of change. You know, it's a fear of change and it's a, a mindset. Listen, when I moved to Toronto, when I was 20 years, uh, you know, 20 years old, mm -hmm. people in Quebec, my friends, they used to say, well, Julie, what if you don't like it? You know what you're moving? And I always said to them, I'll just move back. Right. <laughs> but you have all that. But there's no but. Yeah. You see, it's a mindset. For me, it was never a big deal. When I'm not happy somewhere, I'll just make a change. Mm -hmm. I've never been afraid of change. Mm -hmm. And this is something that people are afraid of. They've yes. got their comfort. But this is something, I guess, it's on my mindset. I've never been afraid of making those changes. So for mm -hmm. me... Doing something new, it's never been scary. Mm -hmm. What's what's going to happen? I'll yeah. just change it back to what I did before. Yeah. Nothing is gonna happen. Yes. No, you're right. You're right. I guess it is that fear of change. I mean, individual and it's with so many things. I mean, even children are afraid of that change. You see it early yeah. on, right? And then you try to push them to a different environment because they get used to a routine mm -hmm. and then anything that sways out of the routine you know they they're not able to handle it yeah so i'm kind of seeing that a little bit in my own kids a little mm -hmm. bit so it's really eye-opening because if that continues through their life and you don't push them out of their comfort zone in any way yeah. then 
of course they're going to be put into a, a a job or you know something where they're going to get used to it and 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 be afraid to move away from that right yeah and i think it starts with the parents also that protecting your kids so much mm -hmm. let them make their own decision and be independent and i think for me i grew up being my parents they taught me to be independent my brother and i were both very independent people we don't need people around us to for us to move forward mm -hmm. and i've tried to impose that like to to show my kids that that mm -hmm. independence and doing things alone it's a good thing because i always feel that if you're independent you're never going to be stuck and i think that's why for me moving mm -hmm. i moved away alone nobody yeah and i was never afraid of that it was mm -hmm. the greatest thing for me ever <laughs> to do that yeah and, and i mean see, granted not everybody has that type of strength to move out of their you know their city or their yeah. town but even just a little change right yeah. move on to residence in the same area let's yes. say or you know switch careers in a, in a small way or volunteer at something perhaps right yeah it's interesting because yeah. i the one thing i do find is that time will go on time goes by right and you have in your head that i gotta do this i gotta do that but if you don't start putting steps towards that then you know you can look back and it's the you you know the time is gone yeah exactly and you know one thing that you mentioned about planning and taking mm -hmm. the steps i'm always two or three steps ahead of anything i do no, well, that's what you did during the pandemic. You were you were three steps ahead of everybody. You were getting ready. I did, when, because when everything went into the deep freeze, you were like, okay, let's get to work. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, when all the clients and companies were struggling to get their system online mm -hmm. and everything, I was already set. Yes. My staff was already home because we had our phone system, our, mm -hmm. our platform, our database. Everything was remote. Mm -hmm. online fully remote so we didn't have any operational changes yeah. and adjustment in fact some of my clients were calling me and and some other staffing agencies that i'm you know in contact with were calling me asking julie i need your help i with need this. help <laughs> they were asking me how to set up certain things right and how to train the staff remote and mm -hmm. what to do they didn't know they were in full panic meanwhile i was sitting there <laughs> everything was working just but another no day <laughs> nothing to Blue work sky. on <laughs> yeah no that's great i mean yeah i remember that even the the retail stores that didn't have that e-commerce site oh my goodness what a disaster right and then having Rambling. to set that up from the ground up yeah it was and an interesting experience of course it's not like it's you turn around within a week but kudos to those companies that made it happen that turned it really around quickly they it shows how human that human behavior is able to change when you're under stress. Mm -hmm. And this is what it is. People can change. When mm -hmm. you're under that kind of stress, they had no choice to survive those companies mm -hmm. and they had to make it happen quickly. And it shows that it's possible. Yeah, you know, I saw a quote the other day and I always think about it, it makes me laugh. It said, I don't know who said it, but it said something along the lines of, if you have, you know, three hours to clean your house, you will clean your house in three hours. If you have 10 minutes to clean your house, you will clean your house in 10 minutes. Because so that's the true. time that you have, right? Yeah. I thought, well, that's interesting because there is a lot that you can do in 10 minutes. Yes, it's so true. It makes such a difference, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but for me, if you tell me I have three hours to clean my house, I'm gonna do it last, you know, it's gonna be taken care of like, few days before yeah. the three hours comes because well, I'm that kind of person. You're that kind of person. Whereas with someone like me, that'll wait till the last <laughs> minute. It'll get done, but it'll wait. <laughs> um, so is there anything else uh, that you would wanted to add before we wrap up the podcast? I'll say if someone is looking for a career change, mm -hmm. don't delay that change you know start planning now about what you want to do what you may want to do and start to look into it don't mm -hmm. delay oh i'll take care of it next year you know when i'm this and that no there's no if you have that thought now it's because something is bothering you mm -hmm. make a change now same thing with hiring managers if someone is in your team is not working out it's not going to work out next week 
right it's not going to get better you've worked enough you've given them enough change uh, chances it's time for you to make a change mm -hmm. now and what is that duration like really is there an is there an average of the the time it takes to get the job that you want or the time it takes to hire the candidate that it's you want different for everybody mm -hmm. it's it's all about the effort that you put into it some people will say it's going to take them you know i've made a decision and within a month i got a new job mm. Some people will say, well, I made the decision. It took me six, six months to get the right fit. Right. Sometimes it's all about the effort. Yeah. Looking for a new opportunity if you're a job seeker, it's a full-time job in itself. So if mm -hmm. you're working full-time, you cannot dedicate that time sometimes mm -hmm. to it as much. So it could be longer. Right. But if you're unemployed, all your time and effort will be dedicated to that. Right. Every day you'll do, you know, you'll look online, you'll search, you'll connect with people. That's how you you'll get those opportunities. But I truly believe that it depends. The effort that you put into anything gives you the results that you want at the end of the day. It's Absolutely. Just, there's statistics on that, right? Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, one last question, which I forgot to ask you. The remote learn, the remote work, <laughs> the remote work that happened during the pandemic. And now, you know, the hybrid environment that's coming back with different you know, corporations asking their employees to come back. And then with the corp some of the brands that are wanting their, uh, you know, their employees to come back full time. What are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like remote work is not going away anymore. Remote is definitely not going away. Mm -hmm. Employees want to stay remote. They don't mind hybrid. They don't yep. mind going to the office two to three days a week if they have to, but ideally they prefer to be most cases fully remote mm -hmm. sometimes they'll say i'll go to the office once a week so it's really i say to employers listen to your employees and what they want mm -hmm. why do you force them to come back to the office now i've had a few different perspectives on that recently yeah some companies they need their office their employees back simply because they have the space the space and yeah. rentals. they can't just say that's it and it's an empty empty office and they're paying for all of that right some of them it's simply purely financial that they have to pay and justify that they mm, have to pay. but whose fault is that not it's, the not the candidates no not their it's the pandemic's fault right which the pandemic has a lot of uh, yes i know <laughs> um the other thing is i have the other perspective where some of them they need the employees to be back so they can have more collaboration mm -hmm. team uh the culture that's another thing but there's one person that I, I got in touch with recently that mentioned that they want their people back together because they're an R&D company and their R&D research has gone down by 20% during the course of the pandemic mm -hmm. because people are not collaborating. They're not right. meeting and being innovative. Mm -hmm. And in their defense, that's a really good reason to say to yourself, this is the reason why. Right. And if our R&D goes down, it's directly impacting your job. If I can't justify mm -hmm. to keep you, that means you lose your job. Now, having said that, that makes sense okay, mm -hmm. for that mm -hmm. perspective. But there's some positions and some companies that they don't really need that. I have one client. That client was against work from home even before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. They were against it with great passion. During the pandemic, everybody was forced to work from home, right? Mm -hmm. Well, guess what they've done now? They're fully remote. <laughs> <laughs> their demand is for once a month for the wow. person to go in the office once a month yeah they were they're forced to playing. change and they realize that they they're they're good with it <laughs> it has and for me this is my client that this is the best example of companies can fully change mm. because now their staff loves it it's great for retention mm -hmm. uh people want to stay and we're finding, for me anyway, my staff was remote before the pandemic mm -hmm. because we did a test. You know, in 2018, we did the whole summer, let's do it from home. Let's mm -hmm. try it. Everybody loved it. So in September of 2018, I said, let's all stay home. Everybody loved it. Yeah. So we were already home Yeah. in 2018, 2019, 20. So it's been mm -hmm. working for us. Do we work less in collaboration? No, we still communicate. Mm -hmm. we still get together when we can you know um sometimes i'll drop off at i'll go to my staff's 
house for lunch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we try to get together as much as possible, but we don't feel we need that because we've got the type of work that we do doesn't right. require us to be like right. so connected all the time. But I'm finding that most companies and most employees, they want to stay connected, mm -hmm. but they don't want to have to go in five days a week. And employers really have to listen to those employees because that's how you're going to retain your staff, right. but also attract new talent. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, the hybrid environment makes sense to me and the option to go in, you know, a few times a week or whatever it is, once a month, like the one client yeah. you have, that's great, where there is still that collaboration, connection. You know, some people really need that too. Some people thrive on that. Who knows what's going on in their home environment? They want to go. They yeah. want to get out of the house and go to work, right? Mm -hmm. And so the hybrid is great for them. But definitely, I mean, to to force that Monday to Friday, nine to five in the office and commuting that I mean, those days are done. Yeah, like. absolutely. It's totally done now. Yeah. Okay, before we do wrap up, I wanted you to um, let everybody know where they can go if they wanted to reach out or check out your social media. Um, so I'll let you give all that contact info okay. right now. So if people want to reach out and connect with me, easy, you can go to our website, which is blueskypersonnel.com. You will find all of our social media links to connect with us, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also find a copy of my book. Mm -hmm. It's linked directly on our website as well. And if you're looking for a speaker as well, my contact informations are there. So I can come to your company and give you some hiring strategies mm -hmm. uh, to your for your hiring managers, basically, right? So all the informations are available on our website, which is blueskypersonnel.com. Okay. Thank you so much, Julie. This was great. Um, really appreciate the time. And uh, it's always so fun to chat and catch up with all my guests. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you all for listening. Just a reminder to please subscribe to Chatter and Laughs wherever you listen to your podcast, as it is a big help for me. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know. You can leave a review or reach out to me directly. I always love sharing the feedback with my guests. And for those of you who might be interested in supporting or sponsoring an episode, I want to hear from you as well. That way I can give you a big shout out on the podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Chatter and Laughs and through email at rima at chatterandlaughs.ca. Bye for now.